What's up, everybody? Welcome back. It's week seven of the NFL season. I am Cody Michael. I'm joined, as always, by Seth Ott. Hmm. We are socially constipated, and this is Gridiron Grunts. We are going to recap week six of the NFL season for you in just a few minutes, and then we're going to get you prepped with some hot bets, get you a few bucks, let you know what to look forward to in week seven, which comes up this weekend. Seth, it's, I think, the second weekend in three weeks or so. You and I both on the positive side. Vikes yeah. and Rams both winning. Big win for the Vikes. We're obviously going to break it down in just a bit, but got to be feeling good about the folks up north there. Yeah, I'm ready for a bye week. Oh, yeah, I forgot they were off this week. Um, yep. Bye weeks are underway, so hopefully that means this show is a little shorter than they have been because we have a few less games to cover. But uh, we're going to go ahead and get right into it here. Before we kick into our week six recap, I want to remind folks to head out to sociallyconstipatedpod.com. That's where you can find all of our social media profiles, every episode from every show that we do. It's where you can jump into the comment section, let us know how wrong Seth's takes are. You can also link to our pigskin pick'em, which... We have been having a lot of fun this year competing up against with a few of you listeners out there. So we'll update our standings. And of course, when we get into our previews, we will let you know our picks as well. So head out to the site, click all the stuff, engage with us and uh, join the mailing list so you don't miss anything. And of course, become an anchor wanker. Wanker. Kick us a couple bucks a month. Keep all these shows going and growing. Really appreciate those of you wankers who are already out there listening. Let's talk some ball here. We're going to dive into week six. Here's what we got for the recaps. That just happened. That just happened. Did we win? Did we win? The Bucks did. Thursday night football. <laughs> Tampa goes into Philly and gets a 28-22 to victory over the Eagles. Now, this was a Eagles cover, six and a half, so the hook got you if you were on the Eagles like I was. Pretty nice game here. Even though the stats are a touchdown from the prior week, Tom Brady had 297 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. Leonard Fournette had 81 yards on the ground, two touchdowns. And Antonio Brown had a big game here, nine catches, 93 yards, and a touchdown. Antonio Brown coming on really strong here, along with Brady and the Bucks. They get to 5-1. and one. Eagles fall to 2-4. and four. Jalen Hurts here, only 115 yards, did have a touchdown, but also an interception. Hertz also ran in two touchdowns uh, to go with his 44 yards on the ground. Quez Watkins was the lead receiver, 44 yards. Zach Ertz, big news on Ertz here, finds out after this game that he's traded. He's headed to Arizona. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But in his final game as an Eagle, four catches, 29 yards, and a touchdown. So with Hertz, there's definitely some fantasy points to be had here. But I think the Eagles, as we said last week, they're showing us who they are. They 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 fought well here in the Thursday night at home game. But this is a team at two and four that is looking a long way up at the Dallas Cowboys. And for Tampa, you know, we said it last week, Seth, after the five touchdown performance by Brady, they are rounding out into midseason form, finding their way offensively. The defense played a little bit better this week as well. So. Eagles slide in the wrong way, but the Bucks seem to be hitting a stride here. Yeah, they recovered after the tough loss they had against the Rams, and they've come out strong the last couple of weeks. The Bucks are 
they're rolling right now. You know, they have the game pretty much in hand. The Eagles had a, a good comeback late and trying to make a game out of it. Like we talked about last week, too. I mean, it's it's good to see Jalen Hurts turning out this year because that was kind of a question mark of them moving on from, from Wentz and everything and the high investment they had in him. Good to see it starting to, to work out. He's still not quite super accurate on the deep throws, but he's playing a lot better than I thought. And uh, that defense is playing pretty well, too. Darius Slay has started to come back on as of late. So overall, that team, I think, has some promise and, you know, could, you know, if they gain a few pieces over the next couple of years, they could, you know, maybe make a run at it. I would probably lean towards going on, on the defense, defensive side of things for them if I was them, just building on top of that. Because they have a lot of playmakers on offense with Jalen Rager and Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard and Miles Sanders. They got a lot of talent. So I think defensively, if they can improve the next couple of years, they'll be a contender. But the Bucks, I you still have them as my NFC pick right now. Uh, they're just looking real strong. And Lenny Fournette, he's actually uh, living up to that f- former first-round pick status. He's playing really, really well right now. Now that Ronald Jones has kind of messed up a few too many times for that team. So Bucks are rolling. They are, and this game at 28-22 was not nearly as close as it looked. I was just looking over the team stats. The Bucks ran 26 more plays than the Eagles. They had the ball for 40 minutes compared to 20 minutes for the Eagles. So, as you said, they get eight points in the fourth to draw close, but this was not the way the score makes it look. Notably, Richard Sherman gets injured in his first game as a buck. It sounds like it's not serious, though, so they'll expect him back soon. And Brady's thumb sounds like it's fine. So good news there for Tampa. But yeah, they get Fournette rolling and and continue to get the run game matching up with this pass game. You're right. Bucks are certainly going to be a tough out. We go across the pond. Turns out Jacksonville can win, just not in America. They get a 23-20 to win over the Miami Dolphins. Both teams are now 1-5. and It's the first career win for Trevor Lawrence. Great to see that here. Lawrence goes 319 yards and a touchdown in his first win. James Robinson adds 73 yards on the ground and a score. Also caught three balls for 28 yards. Marvin Jones had a big game. Seven catches, 100 yards, and a touchdown. On the Dolphins' side of things, Tua made his return. 33 of 47, 329 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. Malcolm Brown had 24 yards on the ground, and Mike Gesicki caught eight balls for 115 yards. Jalen Waddle, though, the rookie, 10 catches, 70 yards, two touchdowns. So I think his biggest, from a fantasy point stand, standpoint, his biggest game of the year probably has a lot to do with the fact that Tua was back in this. So pretty competitive game over in London. Good to see Jacksonville getting off the schneid. A lot of people talking this week about Urban Meyer maybe having saved his job with this win. You saw Trevor Lawrence pretty excited post game, getting his first dub for Jacksonville, breaking a 20-game losing streak. We don't need to spend a ton of time on this one, Seth. Both teams are 1-5, and five, but uh, you got to be encouraged for Jacksonville. It, it sucks to lose 20 straight, so getting that first <laughs> win... Pretty, pretty nice for them. Yeah. I mean, in terms of this season, really doesn't matter a whole lot. But, yeah, probably good for, for Trevor Lawrence to finally get his first win. I thought Tua looked good um, in his first game back. I don't think they asked him to do a lot, but he did what he did what he did, needed to do pretty well. Obviously, they didn't get the win, but I don't really think this one is necessarily in the offense in this case, throwing for over 300 yards. And, and losing is is not you know super common in the NFL, So uh, unless you're like 
you know, Matt Ryan with the Falcons, but Miami's defense is actually, it's, you kind of see this with them and, and Washington. It's like the, the offenses have been playing okay. It's the defenses that have been terrible for both these teams, and those are supposed to be the strengths and what carry them forward. So I think both teams are, you know, pretty much at a lost season, but encouraging, you know, in terms of Tua, if you're a Dolphins fan and seeing what they kind of did on offense. I know they were missing Xavier Howard too, so that that's a big loss for the Dolphins. I don't know how long he'll be out for, but again, doesn't really matter. They're kind of in shambles, especially the secondary, and they're not getting any pressure at all. So tough if you're to the Dolphins with a lot of the hope that you had coming into the season. Seth, I know he's been injured here, and and as you said, this loss certainly not on the offense when you look at the numbers here, but does it feel to you like Tua is playing for his job the rest of this season? Is Miami going to give a good look at other quarterbacks in this offseason? Would you if you were in their position, or are you still trying to evaluate? I think it'd be understandable if they went somewhere else. I know Deshaun Watson has been a, a discussion even you know now. That's still something that there's been a rumors of potentially him going to the Dolphins, there being a trade. But I, I wouldn't blame them if they went somewhere else. But I also think that you know, he's probably playing for his job or at least playing to keep in the conversation of it. Yeah, he got dealt a poor hand, did Tua, but we will see what the Dolphins do. Plenty of time to think about it because they're not going to be thinking about the playoffs. You know who is thinking about the playoffs, though? The 5-1 and one Green Bay Packers. Uh, <laughs> Rodgers took his boys into Chicago, got a 24-14 to 14 win. They also cover their 4.5-point spread. Rodgers, I think the biggest thing coming out of this game is the soundbite, I own you, I still yeah. own you, yelling at the Chicago fans. I love to see that shit, yep. especially when Rodgers is my fantasy quarterback. Not huge numbers here, but a solid game. 195 yards, two touchdowns. One of those went to Aaron Jones. Jones, the other to Alan Lazard. Devontae Adams caught four balls for 89. And then Aaron Jones on the ground, 76 yards. Rodgers ran in the touchdown right before uh, telling Chicago he owned them. This looked like a classic Packers game. They they pretty much handled the Bears. For their part, Justin Fields had 174 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. And Khalil Herbert, who stepped into the starting role in the absence of Montgomery, and Williams, who was added to the COVID list late last week. Herbert goes 97 yards and a touchdown. So a really nice game for the young in there. And then Justin Fields actually six carries for 43 yards. So they're finally realizing that Fields can run a little bit and allowing him to do so. A lot you of know, scrambles there on that one from some pressure. Yeah, yeah. They The Packers were all over him. Seth, this looked like a classic Packers over the Bears victory, certainly on, in the Rodgers era. Packers at 5-1, and one, we said it about the Bucks a second ago. They look like they're rounding out into midseason form. Bears are at 3-3. Three and three. I think they're going to continue to flirt with that 500 status. Uh, I think we'll see the Vikings jump them in the standings pretty soon. Uh, Maybe. But, um, That's good. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll see with the tough games coming up for Minnesota here. But NFC North matchup, good win for the Packers. Rodgers looking pretty good here. Yeah, not a whole lot to say about this one. It's probably pretty much what you expected coming into a Rod, you know, Rodgers and the Packers dominated. You know, the Bears just aren't quite there yet. Like we talked about, I think it's going to require a coaching change for them to really take that next step. Fields has looked good at times, has looked bad at others. Like you said, they got him moving, but it was a lot more of a scrambling thing as opposed to design plays for that guy. And I think that they need to get some some different philosophies in there to really utilize his skill set, especially when you have an, an all-pro receiver who's barely even touching the ball in Allen Robinson. But the Packers are doing what they do. They're playing good, efficient offense. They're getting both running backs involved uh, with Jones and A.J. Dillon, which will keep them both really fresh You know, later on in the season. Devontae Adams is still great. Rodgers is still looking good. Not quite the numbers and, and play that he's had uh, you know, in his MVP season last year, but um, still very good. He's turned the ball over a little bit more this year, but 
not, you know, nothing where you're, you know, kind of concerned about him. He's he's just playing good, solid quarterback right now and making plays when he needs to. So Packers are rolling, and it's good to see Rodgers having fun out there. I don't think he's going to care about his numbers. Pat Mahomes has big numbers and is three and three. So I think at five and one, Rodgers will take the dubs. Packers defense here before we move on: four sacks, forced four punts, and got a pick. So yes, it's against the Bears offense, but uh, Packers defense seems like it is it is of that championship caliber as well. So this is a Green Bay roster that we should watch out for. No, no surprises really at five and one, but they're looking like we thought they would. Nice to see Indianapolis starting to find their way as well. The Colts get a home win, 31-3, to over the hapless Texans who came into town. Good game here for Carson Wentz. He is 11 of 20, 223 yards, two touchdowns. Jonathan Taylor was a beast on the ground, though. Thomas. 145, what did I say? Jonathan Taylor Thomas, that's what I, that's what I say he is. Oh, <laughs> uh, the youngest version of Simba from the Lion King goes for 145 <laughs> yards, two touchdowns. That's only on 14 carries. So that's a 10-yard per carry average. T.Y. Hilton led receivers with four catches for 80. Uh, and then Paris Campbell and Mo Alley-Cox had the touchdowns from Wentz. Colts get to 2-4. and four. They're now a game above Houston, who falls to 1-5 and five in the AFC <laughs> South. We're going to recap a Titans win from just the other night that makes this a tougher question. But uh, with the Colts seemingly finding their way, hopefully getting uh, a little bit more healthy, is there still, is the door cracked, do you think, for the Colts to make a run in this division now that they've got a couple wins under their belt? I mean, that would be the only way to the playoffs, so they better hope so. You know, they've looked good, but they also haven't played the best of opponents. I know they're still trying to get healthy. Getting T.Y. Hilton back out there was good. I know he got hurt again, so we'll see if he's able to come back. But, yeah, I mean, uh, they've looked good and maybe starting to get to that form, but they haven't really had a you know super big test the last few weeks since they've kind of started to, to get back on track. So we'll see if, if that's coming soon. I don't actually don't know who they're coming up against next. Uh, I would have felt better about them in that division if the Titans would have not won, but they got a road ahead of them. They st- I think they, they already played the Titans once, didn't they? They did, yes. Yeah, so, and they, yeah, they lost that one, so... You know, they obviously have to beat the Titans again in the next matchup. We'll see if they're able to do that. But long road ahead of them for to, uh, you know, get to that potential division title. If you're wondering out there why I didn't mention the Texans, it's because they suck. The only thing I will note here, it uh, sounds like Tyrod Taylor might be healthy soon. And so maybe he gets the start over Mills, who had two picks in this one. But Brandon Cooks, I saw a tweet of his that said something to the effect of like, how, how, at what point do you stop? Uh, when it's not working. And so Cook's showing a little bit of frustration out there on the tweets. It, it would be merciful for Houston to deal him, but I, I don't see it happening. So for Houston, the latest in a series of beatdowns, Indianapolis, though, hopefully for them, a sign of things to come. I did hear even actually coming into the season that he was a potential trade deadline, like one of those articles or discussions on a podcast about like potential more likely than not trade scenarios. And he was one of them actually, because he's still like, he's still young. I think he's only like 26 or something. And obviously we've seen this year, he's still a fantastic talent. The The Texans would be stupid not to trade him at this point. Cause you can probably still get third at minimum, probably closer to second round pick out of him for not a super big contract and still getting a guy who has three, four more years of prime play left. Oh, yeah. I don't think there's any room left in the Rams wide receiver room, but uh, any team would be lucky to go get Brandon Cooks at a, at a discount. Folks out there, if you got him on your fantasy team, uh, don't cut him. 
because you never know. Just like we saw well, with Zach Ertz, never know when his his value is going to go up because of a trade. Yeah, if someone were to cut Brandon Cooks, they'd be stupid because he's been an awesome receiver this year. <laughs> yeah, he's certainly putting up the numbers. He's been on my bench, but he's putting up the numbers for sure. Speaking of putting up numbers, we go out to New York. The Rams came into town and issued a fucking beatdown of the New York Giants. Final score here is 38-11. to 11. Rams scored 28 points in the second quarter of this game. So it was, this was over at half. Big numbers here. Matt Stafford, 251 yards, four touchdowns. Did have one interception. Daryl Henderson, 78 yards on the ground and a touchdown. And then he caught two balls for 29 and another touchdown. Cooper Cup continues to absolutely torch defenses. Nine catches here, 130 yards, two touchdowns. And then Robert Woods got in the end zone as well. Big offensive game here for the Rams. They stuck it to him defensively as well. Daniel Jones throws three interceptions, and Sterling Shepard had 10 catches for 76 yards. But there's not really anything else to talk about on the New York side. Saquon Barkley did not play in this game, but they, he's also not been added to IR. So he, I think they hope he could come back any time. Kenny Galladay did not play, though. So for the Giants at 1-5, and five, they seem to be in the territory now of is the coach going to make it through this year? And what do we start thinking about Daniel Jones after this season? Obviously still a lot of football left to get played. You know, who knows what happens as the season progresses. But as things sit today, Giants are in the bargain basement and the Rams, just like we've been saying about some other NFC teams, look like they're fully in mid-season shape. I, I don't think I learned anything new <laughs> really out of this one, Seth. Yeah, no, nothing really new. This is exactly what you would have expected if you're a Rams fan coming into this one. Pretty much a, a dominant performance there. Props, I guess, to Daniel Dimes for uh, getting out there and getting healthy and overcoming a brain-scrambling shot the week before. So credit to him for getting out there and playing, and especially with the lack of talent they had at receiver with everyone being injured and running back, really. I mean, there's no one out there on offense. Even Kadarius Tony got hurt, so he didn't really have much to, you know, to throw to. But Rams are rolling, too. They're back on track after the loss to Arizona. Defense, we were texting during the day. The Rams' defense showed up and, and looked back to how they looked last year in this one, not letting up on, on all Daniel Dimes and getting some hits on them and just playing shutdown defense like they were last year. So Rams are on track. Giants are, unfortunately, in a tailspin right now. Rams are kind of in a stretch of games against poor teams, so hopefully this is the first of a few easy victories, and we'll preview the next one when we get to that point in the show. But for now, we go to Washington. The football team falls to 2-4 and four by losing to the Chiefs. The score of this one, 31-13. to 13. So the Chiefs do cover, which you and I both picked but were nervous about because you never picked the Chiefs to cover. They got it figured out. I will say, though, it was not pretty. <laughs> the first half of this game, the Chiefs looked ugly. Washington looked like they were going to be able to hang around and maybe get a dub. Washington led at halftime 13-10 to 10 after just the, the ugliest Mahomes pick on just like a stupid-ass play where he threw it up as he was getting hit. But in the second half, Chiefs came out, got it done. They scored 21 unanswered points to finish the game 31-13. Mahomes, 397 yards, two touchdowns, two picks. Darrell Williams, who started in place of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, had 62 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. Also had three catches for 27 yards passing. Travis Kelsey led the way for receivers, eight catches, 99 yards. Tariq Hill and Demarcus Robinson get the touchdowns. For Washington, again, for the second week in a row, the offense is just not happening. And this is against the statistically worst defense in the league. 
So where earlier in the season we thought, ah, maybe Taylor Heineke can give him a spark that Fitzpatrick wasn't after leaving with the injury, I don't think that's happening. Uh, Heineke had 182 yards, touchdown to pick. J.D. McKissick had 45 yards. Uh, Gibson added 44 on the ground. And McKissick was the leading receiver in this as well, eight catches, 65, which is telling me that Heineke can't get it downfield. I don't see anything to be optimistic about with the Washington football team unless their defense can figure out a way to keep them in games. But for the Chiefs, after the tough Sunday night loss, this was perfectly situated for a get-right game, and, and they got it here. So good news for the Chiefs getting a 3-3, three and three, gaining a game on their AFC West competition, which we'll, we'll cover in just a bit here. But Seth, Washington feels like an easy dub at this point in the season, and the Chiefs needed it. You talking about you know typical Chief football? That was it right there. Come out in the first half and not look great, and in the second half dominate. So that was definitely what they needed on the road and coming out there and putting a dominant performance on on Washington. Again, Washington's defense is terrible. Um, the offense didn't step up again this week. They're I mean they're done in that division. I mean it'll be impossible to catch up with the Cowboys at this point, and they're not really in a wild card spot either. And I wouldn't trust them to get there. So. Probably an early pick next year. Maybe they get the quarterback they need to take that, take them to the next level. Maybe they go defense again to try and you know figure out the mess they're in, or they just do a full fire fire sale and see what happens. Kind of a bummer. I like Ron Rivera. I think he's a good coach, but in a bad spot, especially everything going on with the the Washington email situation and stuff. The Chiefs will see if they continue this momentum. That'll be the biggest thing. Is I you know do the, in the coming weeks, I, I'm sure their schedule gets a bit a bit tougher. You know, can they do this against you know back against the the better competition in the league? We'll see. I'm not not quite sure yet, but they did what they needed to do this week. Yeah, KC needs to tighten the screws if they're going to make this a race out west. Washington feels like they're almost mathematically out of it at this point. So we roll on and damn it. I really, really, really thought this was going to be the game of the week. Big disappointment in Baltimore. Unless you're a Ravens fan, that is. Lamar and the boys got it done. They get to 5-1 and one on a 34-6 to six win at home over the visiting L.A. Chargers. Lamar Jackson continues to absolutely ball. Even though the numbers don't show it here, he had 167 yards, a touchdown, and two interceptions, and then he added 51 yards on the ground. This was a big rushing game for the Ravens. Uh, they had over 200 yards total rushing, led by Devontae Freeman with 53 and a score. I think I saw a stat or some some joke on Twitter or something. The running backs on Baltimore in this game, Devontae Freeman, Latavius Murray, and Le'Veon Bell were all pro bowlers in like 2014 or so. <laughs> and they're all on this team and they all had solid contributions to this Ravens win. So it looked a lot different than the Monday nighter against the Colts, but they get it done here on the ground. Mark Andrews, I should mention, was the leading receiver, having a great year, five catches, 68, and a touchdown. And on the Chargers side of things, this was the most inept I've seen the Chargers offense in a very long time. Herbert had 195, a touchdown, and a pick. They combined for 26 rushing yards, and they were led by Herbert, who had 12. Keenan Allen was the top receiver with only five catches for 50 yards. I, like a lot of people, came into this game thinking it was going to be a shootout and that we'd see a ton of points on both sides. It turns out instead that Baltimore controlled the ball with the run game, controlled the clock. They got a turnover, but really they just put the pressure on the Chargers and set back, play defense, run the ball, keep it. And they scored on, that's the thing with these, with teams that want to run the ball out and, and play possession, they don't often score 34 points. So I'm led to start 
asking a question I did not think I was going to be asking two weeks ago, Seth. Should we be thinking about Baltimore as like an AFC championship potential Super Bowl contender? Because we were saying that about the Chargers a week ago, and they they came in and got handled by this Ravens team. A lot of people loving Lamar. This defense looks nice, the run game in general. And they've done it a few different ways the last week, the last few weeks. Are you ready to start putting Baltimore in that conversation, or are you still holding out? Yeah, I I don't know. This one confuses me. We see we saw a couple of games this week uh, that were won with uh, a lot of rushing against two of the top what we thought were two of the top AFC teams. Baltimore, though, I I do think that you have to look at them as as uh, one of the top teams now because, like you said, they're run running the ball. They were, had three of their running backs had over fifty yards, or I guess three of their rushers because uh, Lamar had over fifty yards. All right, not quite fifty yards. I guess forty yards. But still, I mean, touchdowns for three of the running backs, and they're still able to do it through the air. I mean, we've seen Mark Andrews have a huge game. Marquise Brown has been great this year. Defensively, they're, I mean, they did hold the Chargers to six points, which is fantastic. That's something that really only the Cowboys have been able to do this year is keep the the, the Chargers in check. So I don't know what that, that's, that's interesting uh, to see the teams that have, the two teams that have held the Chargers to, you know, to lower points have been two defenses that have given up a lot of points in the past this year. But I do think the the Ravens ultimately have a lot of talent on defense. They have tons of talent on offense, and Lamar Jackson's playing really well. So I think you have to count those as a contender. I don't know if this one did it, Herbert get hit a lot. I, I can't remember seeing if if I remember looking watching the highlights. He was only sacked twice in this. Be, um, under and pressure was- a lot picked off once yeah I don't have the pressure stats here but it was only 22 of 39 and this was one I I watched a fair amount of the second half of this game and they were in desperation mode from the start of the second half so game Mm -hmm. flow was out the window and really torched them I'm not taking a lot of points away from the Chargers I I think game flow got away from them it was a road game tough one Mm -hmm. after a big win last week so I'm certainly not downgrading the Chargers but they look bad here they got handled yeah, they were the one team that I had in my six-team teaser parlay that fucking blew it. So Chargers suck. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, like you said, it, I don't, I don't bump the Chargers down too much. But these are the type of games that these losses like this, because this isn't like I don't put this in the same regard as the Bills' loss, and we'll talk about that later. This, this is, I mean, like you said, they look, they didn't look good in this one, and you know, losing by almost twenty points or thirty points. Sorry, that's tough on the resume. So, I mean, I, I don't know if they're, you know, quite in a top AFC team right now, but the Chargers in the past have done this where they just blow games. And that's something that you really can't. I mean, you can do it early on in the season, but who's to say they won't do it later, too? Are, are the classic Chargers going to show up and blow a playoff game late in the season or something like that, like they typically do? Interestingly, the Chargers are now just one game ahead of the Chiefs, who. I think a lot of people were starting to count out, <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's a one-game difference. Now, all of a sudden, the Chargers have a loss on their record against Baltimore, which could come into play if we start getting into some wild card scenarios. Mm. I will say I don't think that I don't think this loss is going to matter in that way because I'm I'm going to go ahead and put Baltimore as my favorite in the AFC North. Would you agree at this point, Seth? Yeah, I would agree. I still have this weird like hope that Cincinnati can sneak in there and and maybe fight for that at the end of the season and maybe take a division championship out of nowhere, which would be amazing. But yeah, for right now, I mean, you can't it's it's hard to not to say them just because of how they've played some really great come from behind wins. 
had some great dominating wins like this. If you're a Baltimore fan, you like what you're seeing out of that team because they're winning in a lot of different ways. They're winning through the air. We've had a game. Lamar's had a game with 400 yards passing. He had a game with under 200 yards, but the team as a whole ran for over 200. They, you know, they're doing it in all different types of ways, which is really the most impressive thing. It's like they they can beat you in whatever way on offense, and you know they can beat you in whatever way they need to, what suits them the best, which makes them really dangerous. And sometimes the best defense is a good offense. I know they usually say the flip of that, but yeah. I, <laughs> I'm afraid of a team that can do it in multiple ways like the Ravens have. Still weird that they needed a 66-yarder to beat Detroit, and then they beat the piss out of the Chargers, but yep. uh, I guess that's why they play the games. <laughs> we just mentioned the Lions. They did not lose by a buzzer beater in this game. They actually got shellacked at home. Lions now 0-6 after the 34-11 to loss to Cincinnati, who leaves Detroit 4-2. and Really nice road victory getting back on track after the loss to Green Bay in the field goal fest last week. Joe Burrow appeared to be healthy after dealing with some injury post-Packers game. 271 yards, three touchdowns, one pick. Joe Mixon quietly having a fantastic year so far. Mm -hmm. 18 carries, 94 yards. Also caught five balls for 59 and a touchdown. I don't remember seeing Joe Mixon catch as much as he has this year, but he's been very effective. Had a long touchdown on this, which accounted for most of those yards. Um, But really nice game for Mixon. Jamar Chase continues to play excellent football. Four catches here for 97. I watched a fair amount of this game because I had some parlays on it that didn't hit. But at this point, we're going to talk about Trevon Diggs in, in Dallas. I, I feel similar about him and Jamar Chase. At some point, it's going to stop being surprising <laughs> when Diggs gets a pick or when Chase catches a 50-yard pass. They did it twice in this game. He's not a deep threat. He's a deep guarantee uh, so <laughs> right. far this season. Bengals offense looked great. You know, who doesn't against Detroit, though? I'm not even going to say any of the stats for Detroit because they were bad, except for TJ Hawkinson, who has been down dealing with injury the last few weeks, but he had eight catches, 74 in this. I saw at least one headline about Goff getting benched this week. I don't think that's going to happen. But at 0-6, I'm not surprised that Detroit's looking for any answer. Didn't see any crying from Dan Campbell in this one, but I did (laughs) see some, like, desperation going for it, which, like, it was clearly desperation in this. They really wanted to get this win at home because I think they see their upcoming schedule and know it may may be a bit before they get one. For Cincinnati, you just mentioned them as a threat. They're a game behind the Ravens, and we'll see what they do against some better competition coming up here soon. In fact, I think they go to Baltimore this week, or or they play them. I don't know where it's at, but... At 4-2, and two, in a world where we may need to get rid of Carolina as our favorite team, I like the Bengals right now. I, I'm enjoying what I'm seeing out of Burrow and Mixon and Chase and really this whole team. Yeah, offensively, they, they've really put something together that helps hide some of their shortcomings along the offensive line. And then, I guess, really with the defense, too, you know, they haven't had to rely on because they're playing such good and efficient offense while also being able to take deep shots. Like you mentioned, Joe Mixon is, is running really well, so they're able to keep time of possession, but they're able to take the deep shots to chase when they need to. You know, T. Higgins is a good young receiver, too, that that has a lot of talent. Like, they're, they're able to play such, such efficient football that Joe Burrow isn't getting hit super frequent amount this year compared to last year. And they're able to hit you in multiple ways. You, you know, if you're you're playing the run, then they're going to beat you deep on the pass. If you're playing only the pass, then Joe Mixon will run all over you. So, yeah, it's it's interesting to see them them doing as well as they're doing because we had no expectations of this. The Lions are bad. They, they It'll be tough. They might not win a game this year, which, you know, they've been playing a lot of teams tough up until this week. But their schedule is, like you said, not not good coming up. And I don't know. <laughs> it's I, I like that team. I like the, some of the pieces they have. But... They are not uh, not in a good spot. So 
hopefully the Bengals can keep rolling and maybe fight for that division. Yeah, we're in search of a darling, and, and who knows? We may have it in Cincinnati. A long way to go, though. The aforementioned Panthers, we talked about it at the top. Your Vikes get a big win, really nice win, and to get to 3-3, three and 34-28 three, to 28 in Carolina. So the Panthers do not cover their one-and-a-half-point spread that you and I picked in Pick'em. Both teams now 3-3, three and three, Minnesota and Carolina, that is. And they needed overtime to do it, Seth, but Kirk Cousins got it done. He goes for 373 yards and three touchdowns. Massive game for Cousins. Dalvin Cook is back, 29 carries, 140 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Adam Thielen never went away, but don't forget (laughs) about him. 11 catches, 126, and a touchdown. Justin Jefferson, 8 for 80. And then K.J. Osborne, really nice game here. Six catches, 78 yards, and a score. He's a guy I know you were excited about coming into the year and and he made a he got the game winner in overtime on this one vikes defense put the clamps on the panthers as well sam darnold held the 207 yards one touchdown one pick no cmc in this but chuba hubbard had 61 yards and a score and then dj moore led in receiving five catches 73 yards seth the vikes did not show well in the fourth they allowed carolina to get back into it and they missed a potential game winner late you don't love the execution coming down the stretch, but good to get the win. On both sides of the ball, the Vikings really feel like they're rounding out into a team that definitely in Minnesota, I don't know that a lot of teams feel excited about going to play. Uh, they're looking tough. I mean, they shouldn't shouldn't have had that game go to overtime in the first place. That was that was bad. They gave up two scores in the, in the fourth. That was ugly. But overall, the the team... Look good. I, I was surprised them, you know, going into to Carolina and, and winning that one and really dominating a good chunk of that game. They had a lot of that in hand, even when it was close. Carolina couldn't get anything going. A lot of that too, though, I think was self-inflicted. Carolina is a mess right now uh, on offense. They're really missing McCaffrey. Just a lot of dumb penalties that they're giving up. Some delay of games. They even had a. They called a timeout twice and had a delay game on that. Like they just look very disjointed, which is kind of uncharacteristic for them. Even like going back to last year with Teddy, like they, you know, they always were just efficient and a, you know, a solid offense that didn't make a lot of mistakes. And this year they're making a lot of mistakes. Darnold has made some bad throws the last few weeks. Defensively, they're still playing pretty well. Well, but they are missing some guys from injuries and, and things like that. You know, maybe once they get healthy on defense, get Gilmore in there, get McCaffrey back in there, they could get back to that early season form like they were seeing. But the Vikings, uh, you know, this will come from a from a Vikings fan here, so I pay a little bit more attention, obviously, to this team. Christian Dershaw, the first-round pick, the left tackle, finally started and looked really, really good uh, in this one. I watched about a three-minute highlight tape of him from this last week and was he really shored up the blind side for cousins and made some really good plays in the run game just a big dude he's able to slow down a really tough panthers pass rush this week against some really good defensive players i think they were trying the panthers were trying to take advantage of their rookie in his first full game and they weren't able to cousins has had plenty of time to throw the ball this year which you you know you look at his numbers he's done really well this year and and in this game he you know, wasn't under pressure a whole lot. And the one play that Darashaw had given up position, Cousins kind of just backed out and threw a, went on the run and, and threw a, a nice ball. So um, I'm liking what I'm seeing there. It's the first time in a while that I feel actually pretty good about that offensive line for the Vikings. Um, and you see how Cook runs too. I mean, he's, he's ran for over 140 yards or whatever. So like what I'm seeing there, they're only going to get a little bit healthier with the bye week this week. Going into the bye week, they really could be fucking five and one with some of the dumbass losses that they've had. But overall, I'm happy with three and three going into the bye, but a tough schedule coming up. 
Yes, it is. And they, Patrick Peterson, who's been yeah, uh, that's another a nice one. ad for this defense, three games is what they're expecting him to miss. So we'll see if defensively they can step up. But I know you've been calling for Derisaw all season, so glad that he was able to come in and make an impact. These are two teams, Carolina and Minnesota, trending in opposite directions. And so we'll see how the next few games yeah. go for each of these teams. For those who don't know, the Vikings next four are, uh, so they're off this week. It's the Cowboys Sunday Night Football. And then they have the Ravens, then they have the Chargers, then they have the Packers. So a murderer's row (laughs) coming up. Yeah, we're going to learn a lot about Minnesota in those few games. Unfortunately, I think we learned a fair amount about Cleveland this week. They drop to 3-3 and now with a home loss against the Arizona Cardinals, 37-14. to and I'm not going to beat up on the Browns, but I am going to praise the Cardinals here. They get to 6-0, and and they just continued to do what they've been doing, man. Kyler, 229 yards, four scores through the air. James Conner led in rushing with 71 yards. The tandem of him and Chase Edmonds has been a nice one-two. Edmonds added 46 yards on four carries. A.J. Green, five catches, 79 yards, and a score has been really nice addition this year. Christian Kirk coming on strong, five for 75, and a touchdown. And then DeAndre Hopkins had three catches. Two of those were for touchdowns. Love seeing that in my fantasy lineup. J.J. Watt gets his first sack as a Cardinal in this one, also forced a fumble on that play. They came out in this game and just slapped them two or three times right in a row. Cleveland was on their heels for most of this game. It looked like they might make a game of it at the right before halftime. They get the Hail Mary to draw within a possession, but uh, couldn't couldn't get any better than that. Baker Mayfield here, 234 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. Also lost at least one fumble, and he gets hurt bad in this game. A lot of folks this week talking about whether or not he should sit. I doubt he's going to let that happen if it's up to him, but Baker was doing his best here. They're dealing with so much. Kareem Hunt was injured in this game. Nick Chubb did not play in the first place. Odell Beckham left with an injury. Jarvis Landry is already out, but maybe coming back. Donovan Peoples-Jones was the only guy healthy enough to catch a pass in this one. Four catches, 101 yards, two touchdowns. And then for Beckham, I mentioned he came out. He did come back in in this game and did provide a quick spark when they thought they were going to get back into it. So there could be better days ahead for Beckham. But with Kareem Hunt going down with what looks like a pretty serious injury and Nick Chubb, you know, trying to work his way back, there's injuries along the offensive line. Defense hasn't been playing well. Cleveland at 3-3. Three and three, I said it before, I, I've replaced Cleveland with Baltimore as my favorite in the AFC North. Seth, this is a season that could slip out of the hands of Cleveland pretty quickly. And I don't know that it's all their fault. They've had a lot of bad breaks, but I don't think Baker's the guy that can fight through all this adversity and get them into the dance. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, and a lot of it's not really I mean he's separated his shoulder twice this season already because he's a torn his left shoulder is now I'm throwing shoulder which is why he's still playing but he's done that twice did it once in this game playing through a ton of pain not a lot of help around him he's had injuries all over the offense like he's for what is going on right now he's played tough I can't really fault Baker here mm-hmm. um, he's doing everything he can and he's fighting through I, I've gained a lot of respect for Baker this season honestly for them to even be three and three with everything they've gone through to this point you know injury wise and all that stuff I think that's that's actually kind of impressive that on top of the fact that Odell Beckham still has you know he was okay in this game but he's just been flat out bad since he's been with the Browns and I don't think that's that's Baker's fault he's trying to get him the ball and 
Beckham just hasn't, for whatever reason, worked out there. Big drop for Beckham in this on a fourth down, and he had one last week as yeah. well. And those are the type of balls you pay Beckham to come down with. Right. And so, yeah, that that's definitely tough for that team because, uh, you know, he should have been a huge boost for them, and he's really only just been more of a disappointment and probably a hinder, hindrance to that team with how much he's getting paid and everything. So hopefully Landry gets back for them. He's a, he's a solid target. Maybe Nick Chubb will get back soon. Honestly, don't care if Kareem Hunt's hurt or not because that guy's a piece of shit personally, but with Nick Chubb, hopefully he gets back soon. Defensively, they, they've had some injuries as well. I still like the talent on the Browns team. It's just not a lucky year for them, really. Cardinals are rolling. They're getting Zach Ertz now. Losing Max Williams is big, but I think Zach Ertz is, you know, he's an all-pro tight end and he's been kind of buried the last few years, getting double covered in a lot of games for the for the Eagles uh, the last couple of years when they didn't have any talent at receiver. So finally getting a chance to shine in an offense that I think is going to suit him well. He's looked good when he's, you know, had chances. Like, again, Thursday night, he looked pretty good. So I think he's still got some gas left in the tank and going to add just another, like like I texted you, the rich get richer. The the Cardinals get more and more pieces on their offense. And what's more impressive about this win and how dominating it was, almost their entire coaching staff, including Cliff Kingsbury, who runs that offense, calls and plays, tested positive for COVID. So they're missing like three coaches this game. So they were doing this all with very limited staff and injuries as well. So... Good to see the Cardinals keep rolling. They're going to be a tough team. Yeah, if anyone was still wondering whether the Cardinals were for real or not, that's how you show that you're for real. Go into a hostile environment, dealing with adversity, no coaching staff, and lay the smack down. Like, injuries and stuff, and and I, I do want to give the Browns a break, but they did get their asses kicked in this, and Arizona was the one doing the kicking. So Cardinals, as you said, rolling downhill. I would hate to be the team that's playing them next. That's going to seem funnier when folks realize who they're playing next. Let's go to Denver. This was another impressive win, but not for the Broncos. The Raiders came into town 34-24. They get the win over Denver on the road after the John Gruden resignation this past week. So Denver doesn't cover because they don't win. But it's a 34-24 win for Vegas. A lot of people talking about being very impressed with Derek Carr in this one. He had 341 yards. It seems like the guy sneezes and 300 yards pop out. Two touchdowns for him in this one. Josh Jacobs is back. He had 53 and a touchdown. Kenyon Drake had a touchdown as well. Henry Ruggs had three catches, 97 and a touchdown. He was wide the hell open on a deep ball for a score in this. So offensively, Raiders getting back to what they had been doing early in the season. For the Broncos here, Teddy Bridgewater, you don't expect him to turn it over, but he did three times in this one. Three picks to go with what otherwise was a very nice stat line, 334 yards, three touchdowns. Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon combined for 100 yards on the ground. Noah Fant led receivers, nine catches, 97 in a score. And Cortland Sutton, eight catches, 94 and a touchdown. His second straight big week. So he's having a nice month. Denver, though, this was a game for me, Seth, when I was watching Raiders-Broncos. I think one of these teams can hang with KC and LA in the West, and I wanted to watch this game to see who it would be. I'm not going to put all my chips on the Raiders to finish third in this division, but I like them better than the Broncos right now. For Denver, if you can't get this game at home, dealing with a team that's coming off, coach getting fired and and all this other stuff, I I don't know how to help you. Denver now three straight losses. Not a lot of excuses for him, but a really impressive win here for the Raiders to get to four and two. Still tied at the top of the AFC West. Showed a lot of maturity, a lot of grit. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Yeah, Derek Carr has the second most passing yards in the league so far this season, which is crazy, especially with all these performances we've seen. With the Broncos, I, I really think they they're missing a spark on offense. I like Teddy. He's a guy that's, we talked about, normally pretty safe with the football. 
pretty reliable. And this year he's, you know, it seemed to try to open up his offense a little bit more, open up his game a little bit more, throw a little bit more deep, but it's not quite working out for him. Defensively, I think because they're turning the ball over, the defense, which has been very, very good up to this point, you know, when you keep them out there for most of the game, they're going to get tired and give up a lot of points and yards. So impressive win by the Raiders. Good to see them kind of rallying around everything and and fighting for a win and, and playing really well. Derek Carr's played really well, like we mentioned. Got a lot of play. They do have a lot of playmakers on the offense. I don't know. It's it's weird. It still don't have a, a good read on the Raiders. And I think ultimately, though, that team isn't playoff bound in that division. I think they'll probably end up coming back to earth like we talked about. But good to see Derek Carr playing well. I think this is a contract year for him as well. So that might be some of the play behind it. And we'll see if he stays with the Raiders. But impressive for the, for the Raiders this week. No doubt. Liked what I saw. Uh, hit you with a couple uh, bonus stats here. Seven completions of 25 yards or more for the Raiders in this one. So talk about a big play offense. And we didn't touch on the Raiders defense, but listen to some of this. Five sacks, they forced four punts, and they had four takeaways in this one. So Raiders defense, not often complimented, but they played super well in this one. Let's go to Foxborough. The Patriots were at home and lost what turned out to be a very entertaining game. 29 to 35, the Cowboys were in town and got the win. They also covered the four and a half point spread via an overtime touchdown walk-off by C.D. Lamb. We didn't expect this one to be this close, but we did expect these kind of numbers. I will say that. Dak had 445 yards, three touchdowns and a pick. Elliott had 69 on the ground. That's pretty nice. Also caught seven passes for 50 yards. C.D. Lamb, I mentioned him a second ago. He had 149 yards, two touchdowns, including the game winner. On the Patriots side of things, Mac Jones here, 229 yards, two scores and a pick. And then Damian Harris, 101 yards and a touchdown on the ground. Ramondre Stevenson adds another touchdown. Kendrick Bourne caught a 75-yarder, which was directly after a pick six by Trevon Diggs who has now seven picks on the season and just continues to have offenses throw it to him for whatever reason. Randy Gregory, speaking of that Cowboys defense, had two sacks in this one. So this was a game where I I would have rather Dallas not allowed New England to hang around, but they did. New England was able to force overtime. Dallas gets it done. They're 5-1. and one. They have a massive lead already in the NFC East. You can pretty much book them for the playoffs. And this is a Dallas team. I think Dak came out a little dinged up, so we'll see how quickly he recovers and whether or not he misses time. After getting a lot of positive publicity last week, they keep the train rolling, and New England seems to be what we thought they were. They're, they're going to lose a lot of games, but they'll be competitive. They're 2-4 and four now at this point, so... Dallas, Seth, does this look like a team that would challenge Arizona at the top of the NFC right now? You think about the Bucks and the Rams up there. Feels like Dallas is a part of that class right now. And some of those matchups seem very exciting to me when we think about playoff time. Yeah, I think Dallas could really compete with any team right now with how they're, you know, obviously their offense is, you know, one of the best out there and they're putting up a ton of points and yards and they're able to do it on the ground in the air. Not a lot of weaknesses on that offense. And defensively, they're getting pressure. Like you mentioned with Gregory, Diggs has had a pick in every game and they're, you know, doing that with other guys too. It's not just him that are getting the turnovers. So they have a lot of playmakers out there, you know, because of being able to get pressure and, and force the picks and things like that. I think they could compete with any team out there. They are in a bye this week. So it's I think likely with Dak getting a week's rest, he'll be fine. It was a calf strain, which could be tough if he were need, needed to play this week, but getting the extra week and then they're playing Sunday night uh, against the Vikings when they return, 
I think that'll just give him a little extra time, and he'll probably be back by that point and be fine. So they're they're rolling. Impressive, though, with Mac Jones. He's made a couple big plays this season, both against the Bucks and the Cowboys. Kept close games against both those teams, two of the top NFC teams out there. So I think that's pretty impressive for being a rookie, all the pressure you know you have being on the Patriots. Defensively, they've had a couple injuries. Like Harris, I don't think he was on the injury report all week this last week, and he played and played well. So that team is, is they're playing tough, and, and Jones has shown some promise. There's only nowhere else to go but up for him, I think, at this point. Having Bill Belichick as your coach as a rookie and only time to get better with a lot of, you know, I would say mediocre talent around him that they signed in the offseason. But talent nonetheless, he could potentially be, a, a, you know, one of the top rookie quarterbacks drafted this year and, and moving forward. I think you're right. I think the numbers are going to bear that out from McCorkle. He's he's been efficient. He's taking care of the rock. Interestingly, I was just looking at team stats here. The Cowboys ran 32 more plays and had the ball for 14 minutes more than the Patriots. So even though the the score was close in this one, it looks like one that, that Dallas handled. So uh, nice win for the Cowboys going on the road. Never easy to win in Foxborough. Historically, not easy to win in Pittsburgh either, and that proved itself to be true on Sunday night. The Steelers get a victory. They get to 3-3 three and three on a 23-20 win over the visiting Russell Wilson-less Seattle Seahawks, who are now 2-4. and four. Steelers, Big Ben, 229 and a touchdown. Threw it 40 times here, so more than last week, uh, but not as much as we've seen historically. Najee Harris continues to get fed a lot. 24 carries in this. He had 81 yards on the ground. Also caught six balls for 46 and a touchdown. So Harris getting a lot of work. Deontay Johnson, who has dealt with injury earlier in the year, appears to be healthy. He had nine catches, 71 yards for Seattle. Geno Smith had 209 yards and a touchdown. Alex Collins was your leading rusher, 101 yards and a score. That's a nice talent. I'm not sure what his ownership is in fantasy, but that's a guy worth taking a good look at if he is on your waiver wire. And he's going to get work while Wilson is out. DK Metcalf here. Unfortunate for him, without Wilson, I don't think he's going to have a chance to be as effective, but he did have six catches, 58 yards. I don't really like either of these teams. Uh, Pittsburgh three and three, Seattle two and four. I don't know. There's a lot of season-long implications here. One question I'm well, two questions I'm interested in from you, Seth. One, Pittsburgh, does this win move the dial for you at all? And two, I heard a rumor that Seattle was kicking the tires on Cam Newton, who is now vaccinated. Is that a move you would you would make if you were Seattle? Probably not at this point in the season, just because you know Wilson, for one, is notoriously a pretty fast healer, healthy guy. I think he'll be back sooner rather than later. So let's say you sign Newton this week. Wouldn't play till probably the week after. And who knows if he's a good fit? Who knows, you know, if Wilson comes back maybe the week after that? Like, there's just too much up in the air and not a lot. Like, you've had Geno Smith there, you know, since training camp. Um, he's been on the team. I think he might even been there, you know, the year or two before, too. Like, he knows the playbook, knows the system. I don't think there's that much of a difference, honestly, between those two at this stage in their careers. I don't, I wouldn't sign Newton at this point. In terms of this game moving the dial, honestly, it moves it probably a little bit further down for the Steelers for me. Mm-hmm. This is a home game against a team with a quarterback who had 10 days notice, also didn't, you know, their star running back, Chris Carson, is also on the injured reserve. Like, they're missing a lot of players. Defense has played terrible. They have the worst defense in the NFL. They're 31st against the pass and 32nd against the rush or vice versa, one of the two. They should have put up 40, and they put up 23 and went to overtime. Like, that's bad. At home, Sunday night football, 
That's bad. That's real bad. The Steelers, to me, are are not a playoff team. And the Seahawks, it's, it's tough. They they've also have the injury bug, kind of like the Niners did last year, and probably going to keep them out of the playoffs, even once Russell Wilson returns. You know, if they let's say they lose two more games, then they what the best they can get is if they win all the rest of their games is 11 and 6 right so yes that would put them in the playoffs so winning all the rest of your games and that might not even get you in the playoffs either with with wild card and stuff so it'll be tough it has to be a herculean effort by by the seahawks and and russell wilson once he returns and as great as russell wilson is i don't think he can do it against how much competition he has with even within his division I think you're right. I wouldn't make the Newton move either. And it's a really good point on Pittsburgh. And I think it points right at Ben Roethlisberger in this offense because the defense got five sacks, a turnover, forced eight punts, and held the Seahawks to three of 12 on third down. So 20 points, that's a low output. It's a great game for a defense. And the fact that they were only able to hang 23 against a shit defense, like you said, I think it makes sense that you're going to downgrade them. I think Pittsburgh's going to lose. I think they're going to lose more than they win. Certainly against good teams, but they'll get wins like this against bad ones. TJ Watt, big in this one. I think he had a sack fumble, maybe. But let's round out the week with Monday Night Football. I've never been more happy to be wrong. <laughs> I, I picked the Bills to win and cover. I thought this would be a beatdown in Tennessee. Titans said, nope. Did you forget who you were dealing with here? They show up and get a 34-31 to 31 win. Titans over the Bills. Both of these teams are now 4-2 and two before the game. And we may have even said this much last week. There was exactly one way the Titans were going to win this game. It was going to be to control the Rock, slow the offense down of Buffalo enough to get a couple of breaks and absolutely force feed Derrick Henry and let him do the work. That's exactly how this game went. Henry had 20 carries, 143 yards, including I think a 75-yard touchdown. That was one of three. Ryan Tannehill threw for 216 yards, no touchdowns and a pick. A.J. Brown, he looked healthier in this. I think he popped out of the game and back in at one point, maybe dealing with some illness, but physically sounds like he's okay. Seven catches, 91 yards to lead receivers in this one. Julio Jones had three catches for 59, including one of the best catches I've ever seen in my life off a tipped ball. Tipped ball up in the air. He tiptoes on the sideline, lays out full extension for a catch. That set up a big, I think a field goal at one point in the game, but it was a massive play. For the Bills here, Josh Allen had 353 yards and three touchdowns, but he did have a costly pick in this one. Devin Singletary led rushers with 27 yards. Allen had 26 and Zach Moss had 24, so they spread it around on the ground. Emmanuel Sanders led receivers five catches, 91 yards. Continues to be a great role play addition to this offense. Stephon Diggs, though, nine catches, 89 yards, and he had a touchdown. Even Beasley, seven catches, 88, and a score. So I'm not going to degrade Buffalo, really, in this. I think they still look really great at four and two, but I'm really impressed by Tennessee at four and two. You know, thinking about the Colts, two games behind. I think that gap is bigger than it looks when I look at these two teams. Titans have a blueprint for how they want to win. They want to beat the shit out of you physically. And on defense, they know they're not a good defense. So they basically play prevent and wait for you to make a mistake. And if you can do that well enough, then the mistakes will come. They only got the one pick from Allen this week, but it was all you need when you got Derrick Henry in the background. So Seth, I'm going to put positive points on Tennessee for a great Monday night win at home, but I don't think this says much uh, about Buffalo. You know, they ran into the perfect storm here on Monday night. What do you think of this AFC matchup? Yeah, I just think a good game plan by the by the Titans. Controlled the ball, ran it a lot. You know, having Julio and AJ Brown 
back is is big. I think it makes you respect, even though you really can't stop the running game. No, you could put all fucking you could put thirteen guys in the box, get a couple guys from the from the the bench and bring them out there. It wouldn't matter against Derrick Henry. He's gonna run over him and run past him and run around him, run through him. Anything involving running, Derrick Henry's gonna do it at this point. Guy is just absolutely insane. He has stats through the first six games that guys like don't get in a seat like most running backs don't get in a season at this point he has 10 touchdowns already that's insane he's had three touchdowns in the last three games that's insane like in each game he's had three touchdowns like dude is nuts it's absolutely crazy uh, what he's doing and he's doing it at age 29 picture derrick henry and that size on his long touchdown he was the fastest running back mm-hmm. so far this season yeah how the fuck does that happen at that size it's insane yeah it's crazy and he's not getting, like, he never gets hurt. He was made in a lab somewhere, I'm pretty sure, at this point. He was made to play football. Again, having A.J. Brown and, and Julio back is important for that team because they, it, it makes other teams respect the pass. Tannehill's had a down year in terms of his numbers and how he's looked, but when you have the running game you do and have the receivers that you do, you always have a shot in offense. So I think that was a big part of it, honestly. Even though both guys weren't really super healthy going into the game, they still were out there and made some plays when they needed to. So good to see if you're a Titans fan. The Bills, I think we've seen, this is probably the first, Although I mean, obviously the Chiefs were, you know, they're one of the best offenses out there, but uh, this is the first time we've kind of seen a team with such a strength like this with the Titans. You know, they such an advantage with that running game. You know, they're always going to have that advantage over teams. And the Bills were the top-ranked rush defense coming into the week and just got completely ran over by Derrick Henry, and that's what he's going to do. So you have to find a way to, to beat Derrick Henry, and the Bills couldn't do it this week. Maybe they maybe they meet up in the playoffs again and, and do it then. But I just think the, that Titans had their number. Both teams are I, – I still think the Bills – they're still personally my, my pick right now. They're playing really, really well overall and they're getting some of these losses out these close losses out early like this I think that only bodes well for them you know leading in later in the season and when they're really getting on a roll I think towards the end of the year so yeah both both teams are are tough teams but I still prefer the Bills ultimately in the long run totally agree with you I think this is if there's a good loss to have it's it's one like this that you can learn from for Buffalo Uh, I sent you a text at some point in the second quarter I think imagine outplaying your opponent in every facet of the game for 20 minutes of game time and then all of a sudden you're down seven to six Uh, (laughs) the Bills didn't finish a couple what would have could have easily been touchdown drives. They could have been up 14-0 and neutralized Henry. Instead, they're up 6-0, and they give up a 75-yard touchdown and are losing now. So if you look at the team stats, you know, total plays ran. They ran 22 more plays. They also had the ball for longer. So close loss for the Bills, but this could have easily been a 14-point win if a couple things go the other way. Notably here, Dawson Knox breaks his hand, but they, they're going into a bye and then a stretch of shit opponents, so he'll likely get healthy before he's super needed. And then Taylor Lewan, very scary injury. They they strapped into a backboard to protect his neck and head. It sounds like he's getting a concussion evaluation. He did give the thumbs up on the way out, so we'll see with Lewan, but one of the really well-liked guys on that Tennessee team and around the league, so hopefully he has a speedy recovery. So a great Monday night or second week in a row. Very nice Monday night matchup. Where the fuck are the Mannings when we want them to be talking about games like this? But they'll be back before too long. Next week. Ooh, it is next week. All right. That's what I'm talking about. That wraps up week six. That just happened. That just happened. Did we win? Seth, before we dive into week seven, let's see if there was any money to be made back in week six. Show me the money! I got wrecked. 
on the bets. Did you do any better? <laughs> I, I hit a couple of boosts that FanDuel had. Most notably, Pat McAfee's super boost that was Colts minus two and a half, Chiefs to win, and Rams minus one and a half. Play, uh, paid at one plus plus one sixty. I got fucked because of the Chargers. I told you that already. A couple of one, uh, you know, one leg parlays I missed. We'll see. Better luck next week, maybe. Better luck next week. That's the cash for the week. Show me the money! We're going to get into week seven in a sec. First, let's take a look at the pigskin pick'em standings. It was a good week for a lot of folks in week six. And just a little bit of shuffling. Seth, you are back on top. You're in a tie with Dan for the season lead. Brett is two games behind and tied with Kyle. Uh, and then I'm right behind them with Tyler and the underestimated Ravens bringing up the rear. But really nice week for everybody. I think picks that we laid out were incredible, as always. I think I got, yeah, I got 9 of 15. You got 10 of 15, or 14, that is. So nice win on the pick'em. Don't forget to hit the link in the description, guys, if you want to join us, see if you can hang. We're going to give you a little bit of an advantage and let you know what our picks are. Time to dive into what's coming up in week 7. It's coming right for- Seth, we start on Thursday night football. We got a banged up Browns team at home Thursday night with the Denver Broncos coming in. It's Cleveland minus three and a half. I'm going to have to take Denver in this one. I I think that the yardage was there in the Vegas game last week. Teddy is throwing it around. Yes, he had some picks, but offensively, they seem to be getting going. And I don't know where Cleveland's going to find offense. Baker's hurt. They got no running backs. I haven't heard that Chubb can come back. So uh, I'm going to have to take Denver plus the points. I don't know necessarily if they win, but I I think this could be one. I I would submit it for your Moneyline Madness if you're feeling good about Denver. I'm not. I I don't feel good about them just in general because like one week I'll feel good and then the next I won't. So they're really an unpredictable team. I'm going with the Browns in this one. I I just think overall, while they're banged up and have a lot of injuries, I think defensively they're, they're a better team defensively than the Broncos. It's at home, primetime game. Broncos didn't look good either, so I'm going to go with the Browns in this one. We'll see how it goes Thursday. If Baker comes in and gets a win on Thursday night, that's going to be a big, big feather in his cap, so we'll see. First game of the Sunday slate, Green Bay, the Packers, are hosting the Washington football team. Packers are nine-and-a-half-point favorites. That's not enough points for me to even think about this twice. Give me Rodgers for a huge game at home. We're going to be seeing the championship belt sign. They are feeling it offensively, and Washington sucks. So I'm taking the Packers to cover. I am as well. Tennessee is their home dogs. (laughs) Four-and-a-half points for the Titans against the Chiefs who are coming into town after their victory. I like the Titans plus four and a half. I, I, think, I think we saw what a really good version of this Titans team wants to do. I think the Chiefs are very poorly suited to play this team. I think there'll be a lot of scoring here, but I don't see the Chiefs running away when Henry can walk through this Chiefs defense. And, and I, like, uh, I like touchdowns for AJ and Julio in the passing game as well, because Casey's not stopping anybody. Yeah, I agree with you on this one. Yeah, this one's tough in terms of the the who I would pick as the winner, but I do think the Titans will cover the f- plus four and a half here. Let's go to Miami. Another home dog. <clears throat> Two and a half points Miami is getting against Atlanta, who is coming to town. They were on bye this last week. I, I hate that. Honestly, I, I would rather pick a tie in this th- than pick a winner. <sighs> Give me Atlanta just because they're coming off a bye. I like Literally the only reason is because they've gotten to prep for two weeks against Miami. So, yeah, Falcons to cover. Yeah, I I don't think – I mean, obviously both teams I think are pretty bad. I just, for whatever reason, I, I think the Falcons are really bad. <laughs> so I'm going to go with the Dolphins on this one. 
yeah, I mean, I'm not super feeling any money lines this week, so we'll see. Maybe I'll put together a parlay, but for right now, that's on hold. I'm, I'm going to go with the Dolphins, though. Go with Seth on this one, because I think I've only ever picked Atlanta incorrectly if we look back over the course of the season. <laughs> so, All right, we go to New England. Patriots are 7.5-point favorites against the New York Jets, who are coming off of their bye. And I like New England to cover at home. I think this is a chance for McCorkle to put up a, a really sexy-looking stat line and, and get a big home victory. And the Jets are just so bad. I would like to see Wilson performance here that, that you like, that shows some progress, but I'm going to take the Patriots to, to win by 10. Yeah, I don't really want to see that because I think the Jets are a terrible organization. So uh, I'm going with the Dal- the excuse me, the Patriots on this one to cover the seven and a half. If you're going to bet that one, bet it quick. That's likely to go up. I-, I can't imagine anybody picking the Jets in this one. We will stick with the New York teams, but the Giants are at home. They're home dogs as well. <laughs> Getting two and a half points against the Panthers, who are coming off of that loss to your Vikes. For the Giants, uh, are they healthy? Not really. I mean... Almost the entire receiving core and no Barkley. <laughs> no Barkley. They're not expecting him this week. There's a world. I wish I had the nuts to pick the Giants in this. I'm going to take Carolina to get right here. This is close, though, for me. If this was three and a half, yeah, I would I take the Giants. No, I don't think it's that close at all. I mean, I know that the Panthers didn't look great and have looked disjointed, but just defensively, they're 10 times better than the Giants. I don't think this will be close at all. I think the Panthers come in and whoop them. All righty. Seth calling the beat down. Darnold getting back on track, he hopes. We go to Baltimore for an AFC North matchup that, for the first time in a long time, has some meaningful implications. The Bengals can win their way into first place if they get this one. They're six and a half point dogs, though, on the road in Baltimore. I think this is a great line. I can't wait to watch this game. Tell you what, I'm going to try to manifest a career best win for Joe Burrow in this. I'm going to take the Bengals on the road here. I think this is either Cincinnati in a close one or Baltimore by 30. I don't know which it is, but my coin flip said heads, so give me Cincy. Yeah, I'm I'm going with the Bengals as well. I think this is one that they'll need to compete against Baltimore to be considered a real team. If they go in there and they actually compete and do well, keep it close, and God forbid they get a win, that would be huge for them as being a potential contender for that division. So this is, yeah, like you said, this is kind of more of just a hedging on a potential, like they're more motivated than the, the Ravens are this game to to come out there and do well. So I'm, I'm going to go with the Bengals on this one, but this could be a one that we look back on later and be like, okay, that we're completely wrong on the <laughs> Bengals. Yeah, I can see us now talking about the eight sacks that Baltimore had and uh, yeah. the 300 rushing yards, but uh, right. trying to do a little manifestation there. I'm glad we're on the same page. <laughs> Let's go to Vegas. The Raiders are at home, and they're playing host to the Philadelphia Eagles. Raiders are three-and-a-half-point favorites. I'm going to take the Eagles in the points. Three-and-a-half is a little too wide for me. I I like Jalen Hurts to have a better game. He's going to be able to move a little bit better than Teddy did last week, hopefully not get sacked as much. And Eagles, after a couple down weeks, I hope will get right. So if this was two-and-a-half, I'd be Raiders all day, but I like the hook here at three-and-a-half. Give me the Raiders to win by a field goal, but Philly will cover. I'm going to go with the Raiders in this one. We'll see if that momentum carries over from last week. Yeah, I think they're, in terms of how they play offense right now, they're they're airing it out for the big plays. And I think that, you know, they'll, they'll really need, the Eagles need a really big game out of like Darius Slay in that one. Potentially the Raiders offense is a little bit more overmatched and Derek Carr is playing too well for the Eagles defense. So I'm going with the, the Raiders in this one at home. Five and two is usually about where the Raiders collapse. So <laughs> right. we may get to that sooner rather than later if you're right. <laughs> 
All right, we go to L.A., and I will literally be going to L.A. Can't wait to catch this one at SoFi Stadium. Jared Goff makes his return to Los Angeles with his Lions. The Rams are, I think this is the biggest spread I've seen. This, oh, never mind. <laughs> yeah. This is the biggest scene I've seen so far wait. until we get to our next game. But the Rams are 15 and a half point favorites, and I do think they will cover. There's there's nothing good about this Lions team, and who knows Goff better than Sean McVay and this Rams coaching staff. Notably, here's a stat before you make your pick, Seth. Jared Goff has never won an NFL game without Sean McVay as his coach. He's like 0-13 now. Well, he doesn't need to win. He just needs to cover 15 and a half. Well, he'll um, need to score to do that. <laughs> Really, I should pick the Rams here. So I'm gonna. I'll go with the Rams. <laughs> you had me fooled there for a second. I wouldn't be surprised if Detroit covers. I mean, you know, 20, 24 to 10, and they don't cover, and that's still a beatdown. So we'll see. But right. yeah, I like big money for the Rams. That record didn't last long because the new biggest spread of the season belongs to the Arizona Cardinals. They're at home, minus 16 and a half against Houston. I'm taking them too. Arizona's going to cover this one. Give me every player parlay I can get on DeAndre Hopkins in this game. Yeah. Uh, going against his former team that gave him away for nothing. He is going to go through the roof in this one. Also, if you can get a bet on J.J. Watt, I like him for two sacks in this also against the former <laughs> team. Arizona rolls. Yep, it's a big spread on this one too, but they've they did they did it last week as well. They had a big spread and they won. So they've done it all this season. They've had big spreads and they've won. So yeah, go I'm going with the Cardinals. Yet another big spread, another one. Tampa, they're at home and the Bears are coming to town. It's a thirteen and a half point spread for the Bucks. And I I can't give it up in this one. I gotta take the Bears. They, they played well with the Packers this last week, and I think the Packers defensively are at least as good, if not a little better, than Tampa. So I think we'll get a couple plays. I think we'll get some points out of fields in the offense. And I think if the Bears can get pressure on Brady, that's when he's been shown to have a, a touch of a weakness. So I still think Tampa wins by like 10, but I'm going to take the 13.5 for the Bears. Yeah, I agree with you on this one. You know, I think this this one will be entirely on fields the Bucks notoriously have the best run defense in in the NFL and it's not particularly close and so they're not gonna be able to run especially not having Montgomery Williams coming off of the COVID list and everything like that Um, and they have a six-round rookie in Herbert who played well against the Packers but the Packers also have a pretty bad run defense so I think that this one will be on fields against a beat-up Bucks secondary Sherman Hurt and Davis Hurt kind of like with Burrow um, in that game this is kind of a a prove-it game for fields an afternoon game 325 you know probably America's game of the week this will be one where he has to he has to prove it this is a kind of his first real showing for the national audience here against the Bucks. So I'm going with the Bears on this one, I'm hedging the bet that Fields keeps it close in a sneakily competitive game, potentially. I like a backdoor cover in this one. Tampa leading most of the way, Chicago getting a late touchdown, and me celebrating with some cashola. But uh, we'll see. Let's get to Sunday night football. Chris and Al are going to be watching the Niners at home in San Francisco, taking on the visiting Indianapolis Colts, two teams in similar positions. It's a three and a half point spread for San Fran. I can't eat that many points with the Colts seeming to have figured it out. I like Wentz to put some points up in this game, and I haven't seen a lot that's impressed me offensively out of San Francisco. I know they're dealing with some quarterback questions coming out of the bye week. Maybe they've got some of that solved. I think it has to be Garoppolo, if I'm remembering right, uh, with where the injuries, I'm not sure what Lance is up yeah, to. Yeah, I think I think Garoppolo will be back from what I've seen in practice. He, he was out there. There we go. So yeah, if, if San Fran does win this one, I think it's by a field goal, so I'll take the hook. Indy plus three and a half. 
Yeah, I like that one. I think I think Indy wins this one. They need to really to keep pace. So yeah, I'm gonna go with the the Colts on this one. All right, Monday night, the Mannings are back, and thank God thank, this yeah. game is going to oh. be boring to watch. Holy shit. The Seattle Seahawks at home, plus four and a half against the New Orleans Saints, who are coming off of a bye. I got to take the Saints in this. I I think we're more likely to get a Jameis Winston 60 yards and five touchdowns game than we are to get a Seattle win. I also like the way they're using Kamara lately, and I think he's going to have a huge game uh, against the Seattle D. And New Orleans Saints defense, as you have to continue to remind me, Seth, a very good one. And so to bring in Geno Smith against him, even at home, I don't like it. So I'll take the Saints to cover. The Steelers also have a really good defense, and you know the, the, the Seahawks covered that one. It seems like every time that we think that we know something about the Saints, they do the opposite the next week. So I'm not confident in, at all that they're going to play well this this next week because they've been like an every other week type of thing where the one week they play well the next week they suck one week they play well the next week they suck they played really well the last game they played they're gonna suck this week i'm gonna go with the seahawks i, I think they win this one wow so that's taking the win you could probably get a pretty nice odds on the money line if you do like seattle so watch out for that on monday night if you're taking them to win i'd take dk metcalf for a big one too i think him going off is one of the few ways that they can make this a game i don't know if anyone goes off i think it's probably just a close i think it's probably probably definitely the most boring game of the week i would bet like 13 10 would be the final score of it oh there you go yeah that would be that, that's an interesting one seattle at home in a close one i could see them getting i could see the noise getting to winston maybe he turns it over a few times so i don't hate that pick i definitely don't like betting on these saints so chance for you to make a point extend your lead on me on this one i guess that is the monday nighter can't wait to listen to the mannings yawning about that one Seth, did, did any bets stick out to you this week? It's it's a lot of big spreads, not a lot of not a lot of attractive money lines. Any anything sticking out to you that you're going to pay close attention? Maybe not for parlays even, but Hopkins, for example, in the Arizona game. Uh, any other games that you want folks to take a close look at when they're trying to make some cash? Not right now. It'll be something I have to look at later on. I'll probably put together another teaser and my normal parlay, same game parlays for every game. But money lines, there's not a lot of great ones. Potentially the Seahawks. I like the Colts money line plus 164. I was thinking about the Dolphins potentially uh, getting the win at home against the Falcons plus 120. So a couple things here and there, but nothing I'm loving. So I'm not going to put together a money line parlay this week, but I probably will put together a teaser. I'll say this. I like Indianapolis, Tennessee, and I don't know that I have a third one, but I like those two teams to get wins. Both are dogs. You can get nice odds on the money line. And in the Tennessee and Chiefs game, right now the over-under is 56 and a half. I feel pretty good about that going over. If you're looking for some uh, player parlays with some big games, uh, that KC and Titans game I think is going to have some numbers. So keep an eye out on that one. So that is what's coming up in week seven. It's coming right for us! And that means we are just about ready to get you off to... The football weekend here before we go though just like always gotta leave you with one more thing but i'm down to one more, one more thing if you think you're dedicated to the sport of football i am here to tell you you are wrong i was talking with my brother yesterday kyle on the phone so kyle right now is deployed he's stationed in kuwait and has been for the entire football season. He told me yesterday he got yelled at on Sunday night because he was up in the middle of the night watching the Vikings and yelled at the screen and was waking some guys up who were asleep. And he was telling me that, and I was like, wait a minute, what? And and his time is way ahead, so it is the middle of the night when games come on out there. And 
And this dude has really been like on his tablet, under the blanket, like Harry Potter, uh, watching <laughs> football games, doing fantasy football. He's participating in our league. He's at the near the top of the Pickham ranks. And so, uh, shouts out to Kyle. Not only you know the classic USA, we appreciate your service, but also dedication to the NFL and not missing a snap from what I'm hearing so far. So shout out to Kyle and everybody else out there who's overseas or otherwise uh, has a challenging time catching games. Sometimes you got to get creative uh, to keep up with the league. <laughs> I guess, uh, I mean, it's probably even, you know, worse compounded on, on, you know, how the Vikings have had to pull out the three wins they've had. Watch all that in the middle of the night and, uh, you know, on a tablet and all that shit. So props to Kyle because my one more thing is that I realized this last week that, I might be getting more fucked up than ever on Sundays watching football games. (laughs) I realized that sitting there watching the Vikings game and game got over and poured my third whiskey for the day before overtime had started and I finished it. And I'm like, okay, we might need to slow down a little bit, but that's how I'm getting through it. The Vikings keep fucking having to keep games all the way down to the fourth quarter or overtime before they're decided. I'm used to the Vikings being out of games completely by the time, you know, we're midway through the third quarter. So been a little bit more of a rough year. Still fun to watch, obviously, but I've been getting a little bit more uh, a little more drunk on, on Sundays. So everyone pray for my liver and that maybe the Vikings can start to pull out some more decisive wins over the coming weeks. Unfortunately for Kyle, no drinking on the base in yeah. Kuwait, so he's having to deal with that shit sober. And yeah, we'll see by the end of the year if there is a huge spike in the Minnesota area of alcoholism. Because yeah, that's a that's a team that's a heart attack waiting to happen. I don't I don't blame you for needing some uh, libation to, to yeah, get through that stuff. We'll be going up to a game a couple months, Rams and Vikings. So you'll be seeing that live in and living cover color. Hopefully they got whiskey at the games and they don't have to spend a million dollars on beers. Yeah, can't wait for Rams Vikes. That's Christmas weekend. I we'll see. I don't know if they'll have any delicious West Coast beers like I like. We'll have to get into the heavy stuff for that one. You're probably gonna need it because Stafford's gonna throw four tutties, but uh, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Vikes driving folks to drink and dedication from uh, America's finest over there catching the football games. But I'm down to one more, one more thing. All right, folks. Well, we hope that uh, gave you enough to talk about around the water cooler and enough info to play some bets, maybe make a couple bucks this weekend. Don't forget to hit the description box and head out to sociallyconstipatedpod.com. You'll find the Pigskin Pick'em link there, so you can join in the fun, see if you can hang with us on the Pick'ems, now that you know who we're going with in week seven. Also check out the social media profiles, all the other shows within Socially Constipated, and the mailing list and Anchor Wankership are out there as well. Wanker. Appreciate y'all engaging and supporting the various shows, however it is you can, and we appreciate your time this week. We're going to get you back to your day. We hope you enjoy this football weekend, and we'll be back next week to recap it all. But for now, that's it for this episode of Gridiron Grunts. For Seth Ott, I'm Cody Michael. We'll see you next time. Bye.